Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. I saw it all Happened on the golden sheets In the morning You were asleep Hazy in your golden days There was a child Moving on a mother's breast Breathing only Dust in the light But you know it's awfully hard To dream Blackest morning, wearing the lights Glowing so my sister could see I felt it all But you know it's awfully hard To talk about it Try to recall The girls when I was 17 Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. I'm your other half, Greg Bresnitz. That was just San Fermin from their 2013 Snacky Tunes performance. We are going deep into the archives today because there is a dance party <laughs> in the back of Roberta's. And, but uh, it's, for our, a, it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. So, I, 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 I,
Oh, it's a good time out there. Uh, first up, though, we have uh, Emily and Matt Highland of uh, Emmy Squared. Welcome, COO and executive chef, respectively. Yep. Co-owners. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Welcome. To, welcome. How does it feel to be someone on someone else's pizza turf? We like coming here. Every yeah. time we're on Heritage, we eat at Roberto's after. It's like oh, yeah. a tradition. What do you What do you normally get? Do you have a standby, or do you see what they're what new pizzas they're dishing out? I actually always get pasta. I think the pasta here is wonderful. It is wonderful. Yeah, it's really really good. Oh, <laughs> I guess Thank correct. Yeah. We went to the that board. is the correct answer. Yeah. You get a bowl of pasta. I mean, I, I, I ate I, enough pizza, you know. Yeah. yeah, I would say you probably. How much pizza do you eat? Um, at least every other day. Every other day, at I, least. Um, you're born in Brooklyn, right? Yes. Uh, so you've been eating pizza your entire life? Correct. Do you remember the first? Yes, I do, actually. It was in Bay Ridge. Uh, there was a place called Carmine's, which I don't think is there anymore. It was on 86th and around 3rd Avenue. Just the idea of saying Carmine's in Bay Ridge. Carmine's. Just, <laughs> ah, good slice. Yeah, it's got the, the those like uh, brown tiles on the floor, brick yeah. wall, like an orange booth. I've Lots never, of shaky, I've, shaky uh, condiment toppings. I've never been, but I've been. You've been there. You know yeah, what I mean? You know, you know what it is. Um... Emily, where'd you grow up? New Jersey. Okay, so yeah. pizza your entire life too? Yeah, for the most part. What, do you remember your first slice? I don't remember my first slice, but in high school there was like the slice shop in town called Lenny's. So after basketball practice, we ate there like three nights a week. Lenny's, yeah, good old Lenny's. <laughs> exactly. What was yours? What was your first? Do, what, do you have a favorite slice? In the city here? No, just or, just like in general, Lenny's. I was just like a like a classic like round sli- like you know New York style pizza place. Do you judge? places by their cheese slice is that your litmus test definitely you go and you order the margarita or the classic or the cheese and and then from there you know if you want to come back and order more toppings yeah but sometimes i I think some of the pizza toppings today have been like what am i eating like what is this amalgamation on on top of this pie (laughs) um so matt when did you when did you start uh cooking when did you start getting into food uh when i graduated college i went straight to culinary school i had an it degree and that wasn't going to happen and a creative writing degree and a creative writing degree so i only did creative writing so she could do half my homework so he could follow me around to class and hold my hands when (laughs) when did you two meet i was his ra in sophomore year of college oh (laughs) very nice okay needless to say i was an ra just for one semester (laughs) okay where you're like you're like okay do i do i want the man or the job right nobody listened to me once they found out we were dating (laughs) oh you're like um i'm gonna keep drinking in my so you guys had you two meet uh, I mean, just the RA, and then yeah, one just day. the RA, and then. Well, strangely enough, we were we were both home on like a Friday night um, while everybody else was out, and I wound up popping in and saying, "Hi, you know, I'm your new neighbor." It was like you know the fourth week of the school year or whatever, and then I kid you not, we wound up uh, ordering pizza from the local place and sat yeah. on the dorm room floor and ate pizza together. The story so. just writes itself. And story that was just, it. Story just <laughs> itself. Did you have a Did you have a pizza joint in college that you used to go to together? Where'd you order from? Was it called Checkers? Classic pizza. Classic, classic. That's classic right. Classic pizza. Yeah. Classic uh, pizza. Yeah, in Bristol, Rhode Island. Classic oh. pizza. Oh, yeah. Does Rhode Island do a special type of like Rhode Island style pizza? Yeah, there is a few types. There's yeah. like a square type of pizza yeah. they do, and they're also well known for a grilled pizza at El Forno restaurant, which is mm. where we had one of our first real dates. Oh, yeah, it's a great restaurant. So I'm detecting a theme. Yeah, <laughs> pizza. Mostly so, pizza. So um, you graduate. Finish yep. creative creative writing IT. You just, you're just not vibing on it, or you're just like um, I did an internship my senior year of IT stuff, and I was like, I can't. I don't I know can't. if I can do this for a living. 
And I was always interested in food. Like, I'd, I'd want to go to culinary school, but Emily convinced me to graduate college first. That's good. Yeah. Just have that college degree. Did, exactly. Did, were you happy to have that college degree when you were in culinary school? Yeah, definitely. I think I was one of the few people that had one. And, um, you know, it, it's good to have sort of a business or just a, a background mm-hmm. and, like, how to, how to, like, run a business or do something like that. And when you, I mean, when you were opening your first spots, did that really play a role into it? So many people, like, we opened up. We didn't know what we were doing. It was crazy. No one did our books. It was, like, we were in total, like, yeah. you know, tax hell, like, three years into the, to, where you just felt yeah. that you were much more set up and prepared from day no. one. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that, that, that happened, but but on the IT side of it, like setting up routers and oh, like yeah. internet stuff, I know how to do that You're really like, well. Yeah. POS worked on day one. We never had to <laughs> yeah. call anybody. It was amazing. I, I do fix all the POSs. You but you do hate to do it. Yeah. I do hate to do it, but I fix all the uh, electric, like hardware. damn, I wish. Rather be there. So uh, you're in culinary school, and then obviously you two share a love of pizza. When does the love... I mean, because what year is this? I. Uh, I went to culinary school in 2004. Okay. So pizza was sort of get, getting into, like, the real popular... I mean, pizza's always popular, but pizza becoming is, like, we see pizza now. Like, when did you start thinking, like, I might want to get into the game? Or when did you start thinking, like, maybe I'm going to just go work at some other restaurants first? Yeah, I, I got a... Um, I was working at just some restaurants as, like, a line cook. Um, and then around 2011, um, this pizza place opened near our apartment and I wanted to like kind of focus on one specialty item mm-hmm. like a pizza or like some sort of dough kind of thing so I went trailing at different restaurants and, and the pizza place had opened like like I had no pizza experience but I had some good restaurant experience and they were just opening so I helped them open and then from that moment I was like alright that's it I'm only making pizza from here on in and, and do you want to shout them out? yeah it's a Soto Casa it's on okay. Atlantic and Smith oh yeah yeah it's yeah. Good, good place and Emily what were you doing at the time? I was a high school teacher and uh, instructional coach I taught uh, English okay yeah okay um, had owning or opening a restaurant ever crossed your mind? We talked about it. It was always sort of like one of our dreams to do together, that sort of, you know, thing that was off in the distance that might never happen. And then um, I was really, you know, not happy in the public school system. I I worked um, just the bureaucracy and the nonsense of it is hell. And especially as an English teacher, all of the creativity and the things that make English class what's special were sucked out of my life. Um, And so it was a really prime time for me to be able to um, I withdrew from school. I was at Bank Street getting my school building leader license to become a principal. I withdrew. I resigned. And we sort of jumped into the space of, of doing this. So, And you had, no, you had no pizza making experience. So how long did it take for you to get comfortable with it and then make, make the step to making your own dough where you felt people will want to come and eat my pizza because it tastes different than other people's? Um, very quickly. Uh, I know this is going to sound weird, but playing lacrosse as a child like really helped me learn how to use a pizza uh, oven and uh, peel. And I know that that's really strange. Can you I'll take it? elaborate? Yeah. So, like, when you use a wood-fired oven, they have a long pizza peel. Yeah. It's like holding a, a stick that you're very like adept to using, like when you play lacrosse or something. So it's a really strange sort of training that I had my whole life. And then hmm. I walk onto the pizza oven, and I could use it within about two or three days. For most people, it take about a year to master it. Wow. So it was just like the uh, stick was an extension of your hand, and the peel was it's an like, extension. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, this is really easy for me. And then so after about a year of uh, Soto Casa, uh, we started working on. Like dough for a new project, and, and then went from there. Um, so, obviously, being in a relationship is one thing, but owning—I <laughs> mean, I know where this is going—owning <laughs> a business is another thing. Opening a restaurant <laughs> yeah. is a is a whole other third thing. So, what was that conversation like? I mean, obviously, your partners—you love each other, you know—but. Um, what was that decision? What was that conversation? Did you have to set any guidelines or boundaries, or was it just going in? We tend to be pretty 
impulsive slash instinctual when we make big life decisions. So there wasn't a lot of talk about it. It was as we drove past the little spot where Emily is now, we saw the for rent sign and we're like, that's the place we're going to do this. Sat in a cafe, like, you know, tallied up what the key money might be, like called the landlord, like had my parents come look the next day. And it was like, that was it. And we're very fortunate. Our skill sets differ and complement each other. So there is that barrier in terms of the, um, the work balance. But uh, we have fought really hard over lots of different things and I, I'm so grateful that we have the longevity and foundation in our relationship because otherwise we'd hands down be divorced I think from opening, opening Emily there were lots of tears so um, so the name Pizza Love uh, sorry uh, Pizza Loves Emily yeah um, is the flip of Emily Loves Pizza I would right. imagine so do you feel that pizza truly loves you well I'm pizza so yes right. oh is that your nickname no but <laughs> and Emily Loves Pizza was taken on Jeep <laughs> <laughs> That's just your email address. <laughs> um, but so, so you have the name, you have the space. What was it like opening up the first place? You know, now that we're working on our, our third location, I actually... I actually don't know how, just like Matt and I literally opened that restaurant together. Like, I don't know how the two of us, I don't know how the two of us did it. Cause now we have people that are helping us with everything, but we just sort of, I think it's like what you hear about childbirth where like you go through it and then you have a baby and you forgot about all that other stuff. Like that's sort of how it feels to me. At least I, I don't know how we did it. It's like a fugue state where you sort of just like, you're, you're like conscious and you're going through it and then you come out of it like later a, and you're like, Oh, I, I have this restaurant. Yeah, like a yeah. year later, just, you're just, just like, Oh, yeah, that happened. Yep. Right. I mean, right. Would you disagree? Or? Yeah, that, that, yeah. You kind of forget all the bad parts because and then it's like, how does this thing up and running every single day and orders come in and food goes out for like three years? It's been happening. So it's kind of it's amazing. But yeah, you kind of forget about all the bad parts of it's you know running well and successful. And then you are stupid enough to do it again and again. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean what was uh, we're going to just before we take a break, what was one of the we'll go good and bad of the early days. What was one of the, the best things and one of the worst things? You can go ahead. Oh, I, gotta, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, our permits got delayed a lot. You know, like uh, putting a wood-fired oven in New York City is a very difficult thing. And Probably just, one of the hardest. Yeah, and then having, you know, the building department just being like, no, 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 no. But it's like, look, there's all these wood-fired ovens around. And I guess when it finally got approved, it's like, all right, now it's time to really go and move. And we got it open within probably two months of getting the permits approved. So that was nice. Yeah. I think uh, my best thing is easy. It's all the community members that we have at Emily. Like, the people are awesome. My best friend is this little seven-year-old girl, Quinn, who comes in, like, once a week with her family. And I think one of the worst days was when um, we had taken a vacation. We got home, like, put our bags on the ground, get a call from our sous chef. It is raining in the kitchen. The ceiling collapsed. It's like, oh, great. Okay. (laughs) Friday Uh, night at 530. Well, uh, on that note, we're going to take a quick musical break, hear something from the archives, and come back, talk about your burger, and then the (laughs) Detroit-style pizza. Uh, We have a track from the Snacky Tunes archive surprise us David Juliana Bartwick Juliana Bartwick one of my favorites never mind I'm being surprised right now here on heritageradionetwork.org
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we have Matt and Emily of Emmy and uh, Emily and Emmy Squared um, talking about talking about pizza. Pizza's been a through line of your entire life. Um, so uh, let's talk about that burger. Let's talk about that burger, though. Speaking of pizza, the speaking burger. Of burger. Speaking the burger. about that pizza, let's talk about that burger. So you have a you have a burger. Yeah. Um, and obviously, burgers are you know they're they're still hot, still hot, but you limit your burgers to twenty five. Yes. Why? Uh, we have a very small restaurant, um, and we're built to make unlimited pizza. <laughs> so. We got this really uh, cult following of our burger. Um, at the same time, like New York Magazine and the Infatuation, yeah, and a couple other guys just blew up our burger um, almost immediately. And then we started getting phone calls like, "I want a hundred burgers to go" because they thought we were Shake Shack. <laughs> so uh, we were like, "All right, let's let's make this functional so we can have good quality, we keep consistency." Yeah, and you know, twenty five um, is just a, a nice round number. Um, and, um, do you sell them out all the time? Yeah, every night. Every but on night. Saturday and Sundays at lunch, we're able to, because of staffing and stuff, do unlimited at lunch. It's a three-hour service, and we can handle it in that contained sort of place. Pro tip. You want the burger, you don't want to stress out, go during lunch. Exactly. Yep. How, how quickly does it sell out? Um, sometimes it's under an hour. Yeah, last um, night was like 6.10. So, yeah, so that was wow. an hour 10 minutes. <laughs> and then sometimes, um, you know, during the week, it can be a little slower, like 9 o'clock. Okay. So, um, so Emily's been open for a minute, right? How long did it open before you start saying like, "Let's double down"? Let's <laughs> like I, I remember only the good stuff, and I remember it was super easy to open a restaurant. Um, I love setting up POS; it's my favorite. Yeah, yeah I love it. <laughs> hey, honey, we don't need an IT guy. You got me. Um, so, what made you decide to open up Emmy Squared? And what did you? I guess what did you think? you could add to the conversation like what more could you add that you couldn't do within your first restaurant well i think that uh square pizza has always been something the two of us have loved we've always loved to order that in the old days back in tribeca we've stayed a lot eat a lot of square pizza and um our friend adam cuban um runs a margo's pop-up which is his bar pie pop-up out of emily and he cooks in pans and so Mm. the marriage of uh, square pizza and cooking in a pan is something that's really inspired us for a long time and matt's been fiddling with that since emily opened and um we had, you know, we've always had folks interested in helping us grow, and um, so we had some friends that uh, sort of pushed us in that direction, and here we are. So, for those who don't know what Detroit style pizza is, because I will admit, until I saw your Instagram, which my wife can attest to, I obsessively follow, <laughs> and I go, I go, Anna, like, look at this pizza, and she's like, Yes, there, that's that's very nice. Um, how did you? What is Detroit style pizza, and how did you first hear about it? Especially being primarily East Coasters your entire life. So it's, well, I can maybe talk about the characteristics and then you can talk about it too. But um, it's typically cooked in an 8x10 uh, pan that's modeled off of the pans that steelworkers used in Detroit to hold auto parts. It's so awesome. Yeah. So, so just like, <laughs> like blue collar, like, oh. Right. Yeah. Um, and it has like a super cheesy crust called the Frigo crust. It has like a, a pretty crispy bottom, like a really airy middle. And then the sauce goes into parallel stripes uh, down the length of it. You know I'm excited. Yeah, right. You know we're coming in tonight. This isn't even a joke. <laughs> we're coming in tonight. Um, and so, what made you wanted to make that type of pizza? I mean, you. I mean, you get to lay claim that you you're New York, Brooklyn's first Detroit style pizza. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Come on. A little know. bit more conviction. Come we on. Are. Sure. Yeah, we yeah, are. Yeah, we are. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, so what makes, I mean, obviously you've been mastering a, a certain type of dough and, and getting popular with that. Um, what made you want to be like, we're making this type of pizza and we are saying we're not just dedicating like Sunday nights, get to Drift House Pizza, like a whole restaurant dedicated to it. Um, you know, it's sort of the same way the, I guess the Emmy burger evolved where it's just, I put something on the menu because I want to eat some other style. Like I wanted a burger at the end of the night and things like that. Whereas like this was like, all right, well, I want to be able to have square pizza whenever I want to eat it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to open a square pizza restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that sort of, that, I mean, that's really how we, we operate. Like, <laughs> and does the so. dough does the dough differ at all? Did you have to come up with a new recipe, or is it the same dough as your other pizzas? Oh, it's very different. Uh, it's a higher hydration. Um, it proofs in a pan overnight. So, like, it, it does um, – it's a little more airy um, because it's not cooked in a wood-fired oven the way our uh, dough at Emily is. So it, it is a different process, different ingredients, everything. Any sports help you prepare? Uh, for the short style pizza? Or? Uh, just being, I think, uh, overweight in college was a good, uh, <laughs> good preparation for eating a lot of thick pizza. Yeah, that deep dish sport. pizza hut, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, being a couple, having two restaurants, what is it like? I mean, at, do you have to just divide and conquer even more? Do you bring more people into the team? Like, how do you guys... How do you two run two successful businesses together? We uh, There's a lot of bouncing around and organically being where one of us is needed to be. It's fortuitous that there's two of us who are the owners so that we're often split and Matt's mm-hmm. at one and I'm at the other, uh, which has happened more and more, I think, as we've grown. And it's been really nice to just sort of evolve our team, I think, naturally. Our director of operations is a woman who started off as a waitress for us a few months into Emily and now runs the show with us. Um, and a lot of the folks who've sort of come up into key roles have moved up in the ring which is something we really believe in. So we have a good team of people that are part of that original culture of Pizza Loves Emily and are really valuable friends in our life, quite frankly. So it makes it really easy to trust and work with those folks. And, and what can you tease or talk about for future projects? Well, we're opening in the West Village, a Pizza Loves Emily concept, and we have one of the oldest ovens in the Blue Ribbon Bakery space in the city. So we're mm. really excited to use it. Mm. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully be open not too long from now. Was <laughs> it there already? Or did you acquire it and bring it into the new location? It's built into the building. Uh, yeah. So is that easy for permitting? Like it was all done? Yeah, yeah basically. They, they think it's grandfathered it's, in. Yeah, the Blue Ribbon guys think it's from the 1850s. Wow. So it's an old oven. Have you gotten to... I mean, obviously, every oven is, is different. How long does it take for you to learn an oven? Uh, well, we're going to have to change the dough and things like that. So we have to see what... Um, you know, see what works in that temperature oven really? and things like that. Because yeah. it's just so much hotter? Um, it'll probably be cooler, actually, than, oh, okay. than the oven we're using at Emily. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of have to wait and see once it's once we can really get it fired. And it's see 18 it. feet deep. Yeah, it is. It's wow. Big. That's like... By, uh, by 14 feet. You so. can, like, stack Two a basketball couple, hoops. <clears throat> couple, couple <laughs> bodies. What? Sorry. Yeah, right? <laughs> Where'd it go? So, uh, you didn't like that on Yelp? Why don't you go to the special? <laughs> yeah, take a look um, inside. I mean, so, uh, and I'll ask, like, three projects, right? Yep. First two in Brooklyn, that's sort of like you're, you're running across the street more or less. I mean, it's it's not, but it's like that. But now you're going to the city. How do you, There's not three owners. There's not unless you have like a third like partner who you just go, all right, sometimes you are going to have to be here and you can't be at every restaurant every night. How do you like how do you settle that inside you? Well, our director of operations is amazing, Annie. Um, and so she really is our third musketeer, I think. And yep. uh um, we're very fortunate that we live in downtown Brooklyn, so our train proximity to uh, all three restaurants is, like, perfect. ideal. Mm. So uh, it's easy to bop back and forth between them. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask about the Instagram, because your Instagram game is A+. Um, 
Who is it? Who runs it? I do. All Matt. All Matt. Both uh, locations. Um, how did you? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you get just so? Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, like <laughs> again, you, my, I can attest to it that I am. I have been drooling over the, those photos. Um, <laughs> is that part of your creative process? Uh, you know, um, I just tried to, I guess, use my creative writing background. And, <laughs> Especially um, for the captions. I definitely, the captions, I was like, this guy seems like he's, he's at like a, a like a bachelor level of, of, of English proficiency. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then I tried to think of you know, each restaurant has its own sort of persona. Sure. So I tried to make the Instagram feel like each restaurant where the Emily Instagram shoots out like a lot of little kissy hearts and, mm. and smiles and, <laughs> and, uh, and the Emmy squared ones like high fives and, uh, thumbs ups well, it's because it's it's like like a, a, you know, it's like a bro. Yeah, like it's a, like a bro. Like a bad boy. Yeah, like a, <laughs> a, a bad boy and a sweetheart. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, so right. That, that's sort of the personas that I try to keep uh, constant with the with the, the voice of the accounts. Well, it's deeply appreciated. <laughs> Last question. Uh, I've heard the best joke that everyone's favorite pizza spot is three blocks from their house. Where's your favorite pizza spot? Uh, and is that statement true? It can be, I guess. Uh, what's our favorite pizza spot? I mean, I feel like my most local spot in my life is Emily Restaurant, so yeah. it's my favorite because I eat I, it all the I time. I live there. Yeah. I technically live there. I mean, I have a home, but I live I live there. Right. Um, I'd say my favorite pizza place is three blocks from Emmy Squared. Uh, best Pizza. I like that place. Uh, best Pizza's great. Yeah. Shout out to Best Pizza and Roberta's because that's where, yeah. where we're sitting. Um, all right, so... Oh, and I'd be remiss to say... I heard the decorations at Emmy Squared are all knickknacks from your childhood. Both restaurants, Both actually. Restaurants. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So you're like, mom, dad, ship everything up from the bedrooms? In the Basically, attics. yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, uh, where can people find you online? Instagram, Facebook, websites? Make reservations. We're on, we're on Resi, we're on Caviar, and Pizza Loves Emily on Emmy Squared Pizza on Instagram. Awesome. Um, fantastic. Oh, what's your favorite holiday to serve for, like, delivery pizza? Like Super Bowl, New Year's, what do you what do, what do you guys love? Uh, New Year's Day, everyone yeah, is New Year's Day hung is over and wants mm. their carbs. That's a yeah. good day. Yeah. That's, that's a big day. Yeah, that's yeah. a big. Yeah. You're just like putting in that seed money for number three, number <laughs> yeah. four, number five. Like here we go. <laughs> Everybody go and have a big night. Uh, well, thank you so much. Excited to come in tonight with the wife and the bro and the friends. Cool. We're gonna carb load, nice. carb load for the week. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take another quick musical break from the archives. Leave the planet, and then we have San Fermin. Uh, 2013 performance and interview here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Hi, I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine, and how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese-American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese-American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes, feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese-American chefs, and try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cookie machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org. Uh, all right. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we have Sam Fermin in here, all five of you, but you guys are kind of rolling a little light today. Uh, do you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm Alan. Uh, I'm Ellis. Ray. I'm Eliza. I'm Tyler. Okay, great. Um, well, it's nice to meet you guys. I saw you all play at Glasslands a few weeks ago. I was pretty blown away. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, but let's start with Ellis because this is pretty much your... Maybe I'll swing that mic towards him uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah, that guy right there. Um, this is pretty much, you know, your your baby to begin with, to say the least. So, do you want to give a little history on, you know, how the record came to be, or how you uh, chose to write this in like a beautiful, what sounds like epic setting? Yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was actually right when I graduated from college. I had this idea to write this uh, album, sort of as a as a single piece. And I had actually, right before I graduated, I had done a concert with my band and then with a bunch of chamber music that I had written. Um, and the, the chamber music was the first half and the band was the second half. And I was, you know, sort of the process of putting that all together, uh, I realized that I could make those worlds come together in a way that felt really natural for me. So I went to Canada and I stayed in a cabin in uh, Banff, which is in Alberta, in the, in the mountains. Beautiful. And, yeah, super beautiful. And, and uh, I guess I was there for... I guess I was there for two months, and I planned the record out on the way there, and I, I wrote it, you know, all sort of in MIDI format, and I knew that I'd be writing for Alan, because he's always been the guy that I work with, uh, with vocals, and a friend from, since we were 14 or 15. Um, but then, yeah, and then, you know, once I came back, it was a process of putting the band together and sort of recording it step by step. I mean, I'd bring in sax one day and maybe like three weeks later i'd bring in trumpet you know it was just it was just a do-it-yourself kind of thing and at what point does it go from a solo man's adventure in the wilderness of canada to uh, a group project where like we we couldn't possibly do it with anything less than this you know when does it s- switch over to that uh you know i really feel like it, it, it switched honestly when i started working with alan like right as soon as i got back because um, he just has you know He's always been. We've always collaborated, and you know, I wanted to get this first, the first section of this thing written by myself. But once I started working with, uh, showing him the songs, it really became a back, much more of a back and forth. I don't know, Alan, if you have something to speak to on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, even while Ellis was in Canada, he would occasionally send me a song and uh, some lyrics to mull over and just sort of, uh, you know, to have someone to bounce it off of. Uh, I don't think there was a whole lot of human contact in Canada, which uh, was good for the record. I don't know what kind of effect it had on Ellis. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, we just continued to work on it and sort of grew that way. And how much of a, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, 
how much of it was a collaboration or how much influence did you have on it or was it mostly your vision there maybe a couple tweaks on some words or lyrics or notes once once in practice well it was interesting because because i i mean the reason i one of the reasons i wrote this record was that we had been you know in bands before where we actually would split songwriting duties and he actually wrote a song uh, for the band that we had before this band Name, what was it call uh, your history it was, it was called the marians and the song was called wires and it was this Song and he had written it, but he had one, uh, he actually forgot his capo when he came to show me. So he played it really low and sang it really low, and it was like, oh my god, we're moving you down a fifth. Like we're gonna, <laughs> you're, you're only singing low. You know? So on, so honestly, like he was in my head the whole time that I was uh, was working on this. So you know, I mean, I think I tried to anticipate a lot of the things that he actually would do with it as I was writing. But there's a ton of things. I mean, once we came back, you know, there was. A lot of changing where the words were and and, uh, and you know lyrical substitutions and we changed some melodies right I mean yeah yeah I think um, you know on the album because uh, the the male and female leads are, are so much characters in this story that it was important that uh, all the lyrics sort of fit comfortably and it didn't feel like um, it was being jammed in there or anything like that uh, so mm. uh, yeah I mean that was ma- mainly what we worked on and how did the rest of you get involved well so. Uh, Ray, um, actually, I should start with Eliza because uh, Eliza, uh, she she plays violin and does backup vocals with us, and she went to Yale with me, and we were in like a million theory classes together. <laughs> so, yeah, El- Ellis and I were both music majors at Yale, so we, he just knew me from that, and when he was starting to get people together to do this project, and uh, the band was going to have its first performance, he asked me if I would be interested in being involved, um, just because I, I do both... Uh, sort of classical singing and classical violin, and, and since um, you know, the, as you know, this sort of genre crossover with with this music, he wanted to have people, I think, coming from that background um, as well. And Eliza's got a great band called Plume Giant as well, and I knew that she had a lot of experience playing, you know, on a stage indie and folk music. So that's how she got involved, and then actually Eliza got Ray involved. Yeah, Ray was was someone I knew from my other musical uh, stuff, so I, I suggested her to Ellis, and Ellis was looking for a, a female lead, mm-hmm. and it's obviously worked out <laughs> pretty well. And then uh, Tyler, uh, actually, I, I took uh, some guitar classes uh, while well, in my last year at NYU, and um, I picked randomly out of a list, uh, and I picked out Tyler. Uh, and to be honest with you, we didn't get a whole lot done. We'd usually get in there and play guitar for about 10 minutes and then talk about gear for the rest of the hour. Um, but yeah, when we were looking for a guitar player, he was just really solid, and I knew he gigged a lot, and uh, it's been great. Uh, you got a C minus, but... Why don't we get the, the song going? What's the first one you're going to play? Oh, Darling? Yeah, the song's called Oh, Darling.
heart is gone to see Leave your lonely here With me When you're awful low It doesn't sound very good to have one person clap. It actually sounds like more condescending a thing, but that was great. That was really, really good. So let's talk about the themes on the record. Um, you know, where you know where does the inspiration come from, and you know how did you structure something, and including the, that you knew that you were performing it in arrangements versus like some of your older, more traditional rock bands. Um, so I knew that I wanted to have this structured a little bit as a dialogue between a male and a female character. I mean, one of the interesting things about not singing, <laughs> like I do, uh, is that you can divorce yourself a little bit from both of the characters and have a little bit of a uh, space there. So, like, I sort of split a lot of the things that I was thinking of into two, like, really different viewpoints. The male character is a little more uh, grandiose, maybe a little bit goofy, a little hopeful, very, like, he's looking for something really important in his life. And the female character sort of uh, she emerged from a lot of the cynicism that I have about that, and so it sort of started. So she often will sort of directly respond to the to the male character, and and the the course of the record. It, it I mean, it, it's about it's about this back and forth. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, talk about, um, you know, try, like sort of. There's a lot of suspicion around romantic love, and a lot of like sort of trying to, to work your way through these, these issues, and there's also a lot of nostalgia. Is that personal, or is that pulling from... It's pulling from, pulling from a lot of things. I mean, I think the... So um, personal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's, it's really like a mixture. Uh, I was reading a lot of, a lot of books up there, um, and that helps. Also, when you're in a space like that, you know, where you don't have anyone really that you're spending time with except for yourself, uh, all the, any little emotion you're feeling gets sort of expanded to fill that space, you know? Um... So being just out of school, you know, being, you know, a lot of my friends were making very important decisions with what they were going to do with the rest of their lives, and I think that was, that was certainly personal, that, that kind of 
the suspicion and scaredness and all that stuff that I had about that was definitely. So the record comes out September 17th, yes. Downtown, which is one of the best record labels out there. How did you end up connecting with Downtown for, for this record? Uh, actually, it was kind of funny. Uh, so some of the early stuff, I, uh, I showed my girlfriend, obviously she made me. Uh, and her roommate had a friend who was interning at Downtown. Um, and yeah, some of the songs got passed along. And uh, Josh Deutsch, um, who runs Downtown, uh, showed up at our first show, which was... Uh, at pianos uh, in the Lower East Side um, and came up to us right afterward and really loved it. Um, and it was awesome. We had, uh, I mean, you think this is a big group. The first time we got on stage, I think we had like 13 people on the stage of pianos, <laughs> which is actually shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, I was going to say, even thinking eight on that stage is kind of pushing it. Oh, yeah, we're like, we're stripped down now, but it was, you know, 12 or 13 people and he came up after and the crowd was really supportive. Lots of friends, obviously, but... Um, they had us play Sunzik twice. Yeah, they, they asked for an encore at the end and it was just, uh, it was an amazing experience and then Josh was sort of, um, you know, right there and downtown has been awesome uh, the whole way, really supportive. And how are you taking uh, eight people on the road for the first time? Uh, I think we, we're each taking a separate car. <laughs> Eight cars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's we're we're definitely we're we're definitely comfortable uh, with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think we're I think we're getting a big big yeah. van, right? We'll have a big van. There's a, I mean, yeah. we've performed enough shows where we're shoulder to shoulder that like being in a car shoulder to shoulder will be just fine. I think. Yeah. yeah. And what cities are you guys heading? Um, we're doing. Uh, it's going to be. Um, I mean, a lot of big metropolitan areas. We're doing all the big cities on the East Coast. We're doing... Uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, which is raised... Is that where you're from? Yeah. yeah. Homecoming? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're, uh, then we're going to hit all the cities on the... We're doing uh, San Diego, L.A., up the West Coast, all the way to Vancouver. And then eventually to Iceland, and then hopefully after that to... You England. pointed that way, Iceland's the other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, airport's that way. Um, that's amazing. And then playing uh, here September 20th at LPR, which is a perfect setting for you guys. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful venue, and I think will lend greatly. Um, I want to make sure we have time for one more song, but um, if you want to give people the nuts and bolts where they can find you, how they can follow you, pre-order the record. I'm sure it's available now. And um, yeah. and I saw congratulations streaming on NPR today yeah. as well, which is amazing. So yeah. uh, congrats Thanks. to that. Yeah, so yeah. That, that stream just went up. Um, yeah, you can stream it on NPR. It comes out uh, next Tuesday. Uh, I think you can pre-order it on Amazon, uh, and then obviously, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all of the... Yeah, San Fermin Band. Look us up on Twitter. We, we, uh, awesome. So what are you going to take us out with? Uh, this song is called Methuselah, and uh, this one's got acoustic guitar. It's the only song in our set that has acoustic guitar. Gotcha. Uh, well, everyone, thanks for... Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests from Feast Portland. Uh, this will actually be our last Monday episode for Snacky Tunes. After four years, we'll be moving to Sundays because we just can't swing leaving work anymore. Uh, so um, thanks for everyone listening and for everyone coming by. But we will be back next Sunday with a whole new episode. Uh, take us out.
heart to my body some roses I will fly till I get you alive Are you thinking of me now Methuselah I'm a passenger I go, I go, I go, I go along Have you found a place That's deeper than the corners of your mind To settle down
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.